If uh, the, the aliens like manufactured you to be uh, a nah. mixed martial arts fighter, they're like, let's see if we can just turn. This I'm sure. Into I would, a bad it, I'm sure if it would have happened, I would have been much better than than, than this. Much know? better than this. You're the fucking champion. What are yeah, you talking but about? if I would be alien manufacturer, I would be a <laughs> Superman. You know. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast. I welcome you to episode 26 of Martian Mixed Martial Arts. Today, we are going to be going over the UFC Idaho, UFC Boise, Idaho card that happened last weekend, and also going to be previewing the UFC event going down in Hamburg, Germany this Sunday. July 22nd, 2018 at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Not really sure. I think I guess that's the main card of the the event which starts off at 2 p.m., but uh, I imagine that the fights, you know, start several hours before like they always do. So, uh kicking things off, let's uh start talking about the UFC Boise card that happened on July 14th. It was about 5 days ago. You know, had some pretty high expectations for this card, although there weren't too many big names or anything, uh, you know, too substantial sticking out about the card. Um, I, I was still excited for it. There was a lot of good matchups. There was a lot of matchups flying under the radar. Uh, I thought there was some good betting value on the card as well. But um, for some reason, it just didn't really uh, deliver as much as I expected. You know, some good performances, some decent fights, uh, but it just, for some reason it just left me a little bit uh, unfulfilled. So to start things off, uh, we are going to be at the, the Fight Pass prelims. Jessica Aguilar defeated Jody S. Squibel by decision. Uh, I start, I saw this fight going this way. I thought it was actually kind of crazy that Aguilar's uh, decision line was plus 178 or whatever it was and uh, won a little bit on that uh, prop. Not the you know not an exciting fight or anything like that. The o- the over on this fight was minus five hundred or something like that. So not much in terms of you know excitement. But Jessica Aguilar looked good. Finally got a win in the UFC. And uh, let's move on to Mark De La Rosa defeating Elias Garcia by rear naked choke. Mark De La Rosa um, d- uh, beat Anthony Pettis, his cousin. Um, you know, looked pretty good in this performance. Actually, pretty cool that his wife won uh, the week before by rear naked choke, and then he won the week after by rear naked choke. Both of them in the UFC, kind of a, a cool dynamic going on there. Unfortunately, neither of them are, uh, you know, a- a tremendous fighters. They're both, you know, decent. They both uh, had some good wins, but. In terms of marketability, there's not much there. Although uh, Montana de La Rosa, she sure is marketable. Marketable. Um, so moving along, we had Liz Carmouche defeat uh, Jennifer Maya. 
didn't even watch it, honestly. Liz Carmouche, I mean, come on. Uh, moving along, uh, Rayoni Barcelos defeating uh, Kurt Hollebach by knockout in the third round. Really good performance from Barcelos. Uh, Barcelos is a Brazilian gentleman uh, who, you know, showed some good striking, some good takedowns, some good jiu-jitsu in this fight, and good power. Ended up getting the finish late in the third round in this one. Really impressive performance by Bar Barcelos. I would say it was probably the best performance on the card considering it was his UFC, UFC debut and he did so well and you know showed off a lot of different skills there were some other good performances on the card but uh, his might his might have been the best moving along we had Saeed Nurmagomedov defeat Justin Scoggins by split decision okay now one of the one of the split decisions on this card there are three decisions on this card uh, where the wrong fighter won uh, and it, it sucks to say but it, that that definitely happened um, uh, Justin Scoggins, uh, let's see who else, Eddie Wyland and Dennis Bermudez were all screwed out of decisions on this card. You know, Boise, Idaho, I doubt they see much MMA there. They probably have a pretty small, inexperienced athletic commission. And, you know, this is where, this is what happens when that happens. You know, uh, the UFC is getting out to all these different locations, which they should, and you know uh, expanding their market but they also have to that comes at a cost you know because they have to sacrifice consistent judging experienced judging experienced referees and you know it's not just those it's not just refs and judges too you know the people associated with a weight cut we've seen uh you know the new york athletic commission have t uh, be really really bad with weigh-ins and stuff like that you know so it's a it's a huge risk going to states uh in america with uh poor athletic commissions shipments i mean they go to they go to singapore which you know might not even have an athletic commission um so it doesn't seem like that's really on their mind but it, it, honestly it should be because you know like i said three guys on this card uh won their fights unjustly uh you know all of them close but all of them pretty clear rounds to score uh, I'm not. I don't, I'm not going to remember. You know which who won which rounds, but I definitely remember. Uh, you know, a lot of people being pissed off about uh, Nurmagomedov winning. Uh, that wasn't. That was probably the the least robbery of a fight. This Nurmagomedov Scoggins fight. It was super close, and you know, like I said, even though mo most people uh, scored it towards Scoggins, I could see how this one could have been split. Um, we'll we'll uh, move on and talk about the more decisions later. We had Alexander Volkanovsky defeat Darren Elkins by decision. Um, you know, I, uh, I thought this fight was going to be the best fight on the card. Um, you know, it definitely delivered. It was a good performance from Volkanovsky. You know, Darren Elkins looked like his normal self. Um, but unfortunately, his normal self is taking a lot of damage. Uh, the dude's name is The Damage, but uh, unfortunately, he ate a lot of punches in this fight, man. It took took years off his life, this fight. Didn't get finished. You know, there's uh, it's incredible that he didn't get finished, but Alexander Volkanovsky was, was throwing and landing at will against Darren Elkins. Surprised that he uh, that two judges gave Elkins one round. It was definitely the third round which they gave him. But uh, man, uh, Volkanovski just outclassed Elkins in this one. Um, a lot of people were betting on Darren Elkins as such a big underdog, including myself. And you know we we learned how legit Volkanovski is. So um, you know it's not not too disappointed. Darren Elkins you know lost his win streak. Uh, 
not disappointed I lost the bet, but uh, pretty good performance from Volkanovski, and he's definitely going to be you know getting top ten, top five uh, featherweights in the future. Next fight we had Alejandro Turbo Perez defeat Eddie Wineland by unanimous decision. This was another wrong decision. Eddie Wineland clearly won this fight, but Alejandro Perez won on all three scorecards. Alejandro Turbo Perez has won more unjust decisions than I've ever seen. Let's see. Um, Sukumtat, he lost that fight, won the decision. Yuri Alcantara, don't remember that fight. He won the decision. Or he won the decision. And uh, Eddie Wineland, again, lost the fight and somehow uh, was able to win a decision. Uh, you know, it's funny because I, uh, I actually uh, made a comment on the sure dog saying how this is what Pedro or Perez does. Excuse me. He, you know, does the bare minimal, has somewhat competitive fights, but somehow squeaks out a close decision every single time. But I didn't bet on the guy because I don't believe him and I don't think he's that good of a fighter and I don't trust him with my money. And, uh, you know, sure enough, he does exactly what I fucking predicted that he would do, squeak out a close decision and... Um, you know, but I mean, the the odds on it were terrible. I mean, he was pretty much favored to win a decision. I'm pretty sure it was plus 100 to win a decision. So, um, Eddie Wineland looked pretty good, though. You know, he's still he's still you know able to compete with uh, you know surging bantamweights, uh, which you might call Perez that. Next fight we had Kat Zingano defeat Marion Renau. Um, Kat just wrestled and took Marion down the entire time. Marion couldn't really get anything going. Kat looked really energized, really excited to get back in there. Good for her that she got a win. You know, she's a awesome person, and um, I uh, I wish her the best. Um, you know, and she also lost three fights in a row. Hasn't won for years. Suffered tons of injuries. Has all types of uh, terrible life. So definitely good to see her get back in the win column. Next fight, we had the return of Chad Mendez, and he returned in a big fashion, knocking out Miles Jury two minutes and 52 seconds into the first round. Uh, Chad Mendez, you know, looked very, very good in this. You know, it seems like his power is still there, his speed is there. He might have even gotten better. Uh, you know, he was he was knocking people out in the first round before he got suspended, but, you know, the, the quality of uh, competition... Um, was a little was a little worse. Cody McKenzie, Yawetson, Meza, Darren Elkins, Clay Guida, not exactly you know cream of the crop. Uh, but then uh, you know there's some good fighters. Obviously Elkins and Guida are good. Lamas is good, and but he came back and uh, you know not, was able to uh, TKO a to, uh, a ranked opponent in his first fight. So pretty impressive, uh, considering he had the two and a half year layoff, and uh, you know, interested to see Chad Mendes get back in the get back in the featherweight mix and get some good matchups going. Uh, if Jose Aldo wins this uh, his fight uh, not next weekend, the weekend after that, then I mean, Mendes versus Aldo seems like a clear cut matchup that they have to make uh, the trilogy. Uh, you know, who wouldn't want to see that? Next fight we had Nico Price defeat Randy Brown. Randy Brown was winning this fight. He winning was winning for you know the first eight or eight or so minutes of it and somehow he ends up on top and nico starts to sweep him of some sort doesn't really complete the sweep but nico price sticks his his shin bone behind randy brown's head and flares his foot out as sort of like a resting point so he has nico, randy brown's head resting on his shin and he uses that rest 
in order to start hammer fisting Randy Brown from the bottom and knocks him out with the hammer fist, with pretty much the first hammer fist he threw. And he lands three or four hard shots after that, after he knocked him out. Incredible finish. One of the craziest knockouts I've ever seen, honestly. You never, ever see anybody knock anybody out off their back. And if you do, it's mostly because of an up kick. Uh, you know, maybe an elbow, but for a hammer fist from the bottom knockout is just totally unheard of. Something, uh, you know, lifelong MMA fans have probably never seen before. So, incredible finish from uh, Nico Price. Next fight we had Rick Glenn defeat D Dennis Bermudez. Now, this is, a this is a very close fight, and this is why the fact that we have two different scoring criteria is absurd right now. Uh, you know, there are the old rules of MMA and there are the new rules of MMA. Uh, the old rules uh, is harder to get 10-8 rounds. It relies more on, you know, uh, takedowns. It relies more on octagon control. And, um, you know, it doesn't really pay attention. It, 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 it favors position over damage. So if, you, if a person were to take you down and lay on top of you for the first four minutes of the round... And then you get up in the last minute and start landing some punches at the end of the round. In the old rules, chances are most of the judges are going to give it to the person who had the control, who got the takedown, who was quote-unquote dictating the pace of the fight. The new rules, it favors damage, it favors activity, it favors, you know... Uh, defense more so you know Dennis Bermudez was his plan his game plan in this fight was to take Rick Glenn down unfortunately once he took him down he didn't really have much of a game plan there he didn't he didn't throw too much ground and pound he did not chase a submission at all and it seemed like he was just kind of content with taking Rick Glenn down and keeping him there which is how you won fights on the scorecards for the past you know decade or something like that in, in mixed martial arts that's a it's a terrible terrible way to win a fight it's the most boring way to win a fight it, it's why people you know are aren't interested in mma you know they'll be oh all they're doing is you know holding each other grappling you know their grappling is extremely exciting wrestling is extremely exciting when you do it uh, in an you know in a uh, aggressive you know pursuing the finish type of way when you're wrestling and using grappling to just hold someone there in order to, for the round to expire and you to win on the scorecards you're, you're it's not it's not an exciting way to fight it's winning a fight you know in in the most you know it's it's winning in a technical standpoint you know you're having these people judge the fight to say you won but you know most of the people in that arena don't think you really won that fight all you did was take him down and lay on top of him so you know obviously it's a very it's a very you know elusive strategy that can beat the best strikers in mma but, uh, you know, Dennis Bermudez took Rick Glenn down in this fight, and because the new rules were in effect, uh, Rick Glenn was able to, you know, get up a lot of the time at the end of the round after being controlled and somehow still win a round. So uh, that's how he won this fight. It was a split decision, uh, you know, under, a lot, uh, under most judges and most rule sets. Dennis Bermudez would have won the fight with the takedowns, but honestly, I don't really disagree with Rick Glenn winning. It seemed like he was landing the harder shots on the feet. He was controlling the striking better. Dennis Bermudez was straight up landing takedowns. That is it. He wasn't. He was, you know, wrestling well, but he wasn't doing. He wasn't trying to use jujitsu. He wasn't using ground and pound. It was just a really poor performance, and he loses his third split decision in a row, I believe. No, uh, yeah, third split decision in a row. And you know, dude, like, what the fuck's your problem? You lost two split decisions in a row for doing 
minimal activity for not doing enough for you know take your you know both of those fights he was able to take his opponents down and still not win the fight and he hasn't switched up his game plan at all his path to victory it shows really low fight iq from dennis bermudez he's lost five of his last seven um you know after going on a six fight win streak so you know he's going had a little bit of a rough patch rick glenn didn't really look too good you know his striking looked decent but his takedown defense and his ground game just needs a, a lot of work he's not really a top 10 or a top 15 featherweight in my mind um co-main event we had sage northcutt defeats uh zach otto zach otto just a terrible terrible performance he was able to take sage northcutt down in the uh in the first round keep him on the ground for you know pretty much the entirety of the round not lock up a submission not la land any ground and pound he gassed the fuck out in the second round and got finished by, by strikes by northcutt good performance by super sage man he, he kept calm on the ground on the ground he showed some good defense he stayed collect uh cool calm collect had some good cardio to go along with it and ended up finishing the fight in the second round so you know good performance from super sage um you know interesting to see who they gave him next hopefully somebody ranked um and in the main event we had junior dos santos defeat bloggy Ivanov by decision um just a stand-up fight nothing too exciting in this one you know uh, honestly i fell asleep in the first round or after the first round um it was the pace of the first round set the pace for the entire fight it was super super slow both guys weren't really trying to initiate both were trying to counter strike and it, it was just a recipe for disaster i'm i'm thankful i turned off the fight everyone i no, i didn't see a single comment about the fight saying it was a good fight saying junior dos santos looked good saying ivanov looked bad nothing there was no discussion about this fight it was just irrelevant saw a lot of different other commentary about the fight you know saying Zingano looked good. Mendez looked good. The crazy knockout from Price, you know, the decisions was uh, debated. Sage Northcutt's performance, nothing about the main event. I mean, it was terrible matchmaking to have these two heavyweights fight each other in Boise, Idaho. Um, just awful, awful matchmaking. Um, so, uh, you know, but, but nice to see Junior Dos Santos get back in the win column after a little bit of a rough patch. But, yeah, just a little bit of an, uh, an underwhelming card unfortunately um you know a good amount of decisions it kind of it felt like it dragged on really late into the night um and uh you know uh, i don't know i was just expecting a little more competitiveness from you know volkanovsky and elkins you know the the, the judges uh kind of put a damper on the night so uh you know not really unexpected why it's the wasn't the best card but we're going to move on to the UFC Hamburg event going down this Sunday afternoon. Let me tell you what time the fights uh, officially start in the morning. Um, or I want to say 10.30. Uh, yep, 10.30 a.m. We have three fights on Fight Pass. And we move over to Fox Sports 1 at 12 p.m. for the prelims. And the main card starts at 2 p.m. So main event should get going around 5 p.m. Sunday, which should be nice. You know, just getting UFC at a different time. Like I mentioned, I fell asleep at 1.30 in the morning after the first round of that heavyweight fight last, uh, last week. So nice to get a different time going so first fight on this card we have damien Statesack taking on ling liu p 
Pyongyang. So um, the vibe I'm getting from this fight is Damian Stachek. It has um, had fights in the UFC before. Hasn't looked, you know, too uh, impressive. He, uh, let's see, his record is two, three, and yeah, two and three. So. He's fought some decent competition, though. His last two fights were both uh, losses to Brian Kelleher and uh, Pedro Munoz. So, I mean, dude's, dude's not really getting two easy fights. Seems like he's getting a, a little bit of a break fighting uh, Pyongyang, Liu, or Liu Pyongyang, excuse me. Um, you know, uh, this guy seems like a, a can crusher. He's a Chinese... Um, he is a Chinese gentleman. I'm trying to see what weight is uh weight this is at bantamweight. Uh, you know his opponent's record. You know two and four, nine and five, three and one, two and zero, zero and one, one and zero, zero and zero. It, you know it's, I don't I don't get it. Um. He like I said he's he's a can crusher. He's just fighting and beating cans. It's nothing impressive. He's getting you know spoon fed matchups. I don't understand why he's even on this card. You know he's. 12 and 4, not the greatest of record. He's only beaten like low level people. He's lost to low level people. Why the fuck is this guy in the UFC? I don't understand. Um, you know, I guess they just needed, I think they needed a fight for, uh, let's see, UF Fight Night 122. Oh, I see. So he was scheduled to fight in China, you know, last uh, November. The fight got canceled, and now I guess they're just they're keeping him on the roster. Um, to give him one chance, but uh, honestly, I expect Damian Stachak to win this fight. Um, the uh, the odds uh, are kind of confusing right now. Uh, it has this fights at evens. Uh, you know, it's been uh, the line's been moving all over the place. There's actually a uh, pre uh, a lot of movement going on on this one, um, but. Uh, you know, uh, I think that uh, there might be some value in Damon Stetschak. Ho hopefully, to, hopefully, to try to get him at at a dog right now. Right now, the fight is uh, a pick him at minus one fifteen. So, interesting to see how the line moves from there. But honestly, I would expect this uh, Pyongyang guy to jump up to an underdog once people realize uh, his record is pretty. Uh, you know, speaks for itself. Uh, so we are going to move on. The next fight on the card. We have Jeremy Kimball taking on Darko Stocic. Um, don't know anything about these gentlemen. Um, Jeremy Kimball is one and two in the UFC, <laughs> and uh, his opponent. Let's uh, we're pulling up his record right now. Is uh, twelve and one. He is a Croatian guy. This guy looks absolutely fucking roided to the gills. His neck is is gigantic. Uh, you know. Interesting. It'll be interesting to see if this gentleman has been tested by USADA, but uh, he's been fighting in Poland, fighting in a lot of different, uh, you know, decent promotions, beating a little better competition uh, than we're used to seeing uh, if for, for incoming UFC opponents nowadays. Honestly, so uh, not much of an opinion on this fight because, like I said, I don't know the gentleman. But uh, the Polish Darko Stocic is a minus two sixty five favorite to plus two twenty five for Jeremy Kimball. Uh, moving on to the next fight on the card, we have Davy Grant taking on Manny Bermudez. Both of these gentlemen have UFC experience. Davy Grant is one and two in the UFC, uh, losing to Damian Stachak, who we just mentioned, uh, winning against Marlon Vera, which is a pretty impressive win, and he lost to um, Chris Holdsworth on the Ultimate Fighter finale years and years ago. Um, that was a very very long time ago. 
His opponent, Manny Bermudez, is 12-0. and 0. Uh, He has 1-0 in the UFC. He beat Albert Marias in his first fight. Um, this fight was supposed to happen at UFC Fight Night 130, uh, which was the Thompson versus Till, but for some reason uh, that fight was canceled and is rescheduled for now. We have Davy Grant at plus 205, Manny Bermudez minus 245, so... Pretty heavy favor for Manny Bermudez. He is the undefeated fighter in this one. We've seen Davy Grant lose in the UFC multiple times before, so it is not unexpected that the line is set at that. Uh, in terms of their skills, however, uh, unfortunately, I'm not uh, familiar enough with them to make a, uh, an, a prediction for the fight. Next fight, we have Justin Ledet as a surprising minus 125 favorite to Alexander Rachik, uh, who is plus. 105. Ledet actually opened at minus 185 and is now bet down to um, minus 125. So a lot of money coming in on uh, Rachich way. Justin Ledet is 3-0 in the UFC, beating Zhu Aniwa, uh, Chase Sherman, and who is the last gentleman who he beat? I just mentioned this. Mark Godbeer tapping him out in the first round. Not really two impressive wins. Um, and uh, Mr. Rachich is... Uh, uh, beats Francisco Francisco Mar Barroso, who's also fighting tonight, actually, in PFL. Uh, he won that fight by decision in his last fight, and he comes from a promotion called Austria Austrian FC. Interesting. Um, you know, his opponents have decent records, but uh, you know, it just seems like people are unimpressed with uh, Ledet and, you know, this new surging guy coming into the UFC. Is, seems like where the money is going, so uh, definitely dog or pass on this one. Next one we uh, have Nat. Next fight we have Nad Nindermani taking on Khalid Taha. Nad Nindermani is ten and two. He won his last fight in. Oh, he hasn't made his debut yet. Oh yeah, that's right. He uh, his fight against Nasrat Housecross. No, I'm not. I gotta do this man. This guy's name justice. Hawk. Parasa. Uh, I think he fights later too. I'm not even gonna say his last name. I'm just saying Nasrat, Nasrat Afghanistan, because I'm pretty sure that's where he's from. Nat Nendermani is a uh, UK uh, fighter. He's you know coming off of uh, a bunch of wins in Cage Warriors, which we know is a very good promotion. And uh, Khalid Taha is a German gentleman. Fights. His record is 12 and one. Also making his UFC debut. Uh, looks like he, his wins are over some uh, pretty good uh, competition in the regional circuit in Germany. Um, the odds for this fight are at uh, Nad Nindermani minus 255 and Khalil Taha at plus 215. So the hyped up prospect Nindermani is a pretty big favorite, no surprise there. Next fight we have Nick Hine taking on Damir Hodzdevich. Nick Hine opened up on this fight at... Minus 175, and he is currently at minus 160. Damir Hozevich opened at plus 135 and, at, and is now at plus 140. Um, so not really much money coming in on this, uh, on this fight. Both these gentlemen haven't really gotten their UFC careers off to too, too impressive of a start. Nikon losing his last fight to uh, Davi Ramos by submission. Uh, before that, he you know beat uh, had won a couple decisions, but has really struggled with activity over the years too. He's been injured a lot. Uh, seems like now that he's healthy, he's just trying to get some fights in a lot. Damir Hodzovic also lost his last fight. 
by decision against Alan Patrick. He looked pretty good knocking out Marching Hell in the fight before that, but Alan Patrick was able to uh, just take him down and control him that way. So I think that Nick Hine will probably try to repli replicate the same game plan as Alan Patrick did. Um, Nick Hine is a very accomplished grappler, and that's why he's the favorite in this fight. Next fight, we have Danny Roberts, who's 15-3, coming off of a knockout over Oliver Enkamp. Uh, was knocked out by Nordine Celeb before that. This guy is either, you know, uh, he either, he, he's, a, he's a brawler. He's a straight-up brawler. Uh, he's, he, all four of his last fights have ended in knockout. Either him getting knocked out twice, two knockouts for him. David Zawada making his UFC debut, coming over from KSW. As we know, very, very legitimate promotion, beating a lot of solid competition, good records. You know, this is what I like to see. His opponents, 12 and 4, 10 and 3, 12 and 3, 6 and 2. You know, people with good winning records, good ratios, and he's beaten all of them. So, I mean, the fact that this, uh, the, the David Zawada is such a gigantic underdog is, is baffling. Uh, let me figure out what this fight is, uh, opened at. Danny Roberts opened at minus 420. Coming, uh, David Zawada at plus 300. Okay, the fight is now at Danny Roberts minus 365. David Zawada plus 305. So, interesting line movement on this one. Uh, you know, it seems like uh, money is coming in on Zawada. I mean, how, if the dude is a brawler and he has a bad chin and... Yeah, how is how the fuck is he a, a, almost a four to one favorite? This is just such such a clear bet on David Zawada. I mean, you don't even have to you don't even have to watch David Zawada fight before. You just have to know who Danny Roberts is. You have to know what the style of fight is, and you have to look at the odds because he shouldn't be minus three sixty five versus anybody. So you know that's my pick. That's my one, uh, not the one, but that is one of my uh, more confident picks on this card. I mean, the dude's plus three hundred five. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not gonna say I'm confident in him, cause, but I mean, I, I feel very good about that bet. Um, so moving along the rest of the card, we have uh, let's see, Nasrat Afghanistan. I told you I'm not gonna try to say his name. Taking on Mark Diacasey. Marty Casey uh, has been been struggling a bit. Uh, you know he uh, was uh, taken down, or was you know his legs were kicked off against uh, Jerkar Close. He got submitted by Daniel Hooker uh, in the third round of his last fight. You know it just seems like oh we thought he, this guy was a lot better than he was. You know he had that incredible knockout, and uh, you know we were kind of hyping him up. He did win three fights in a row in the UFC, but. Um, has dropped two since then, so it's, it'll be interesting. It seems like his uh, his he, his striking isn't as good as we originally thought. So it'll be an interesting matchup. I uh, don't really have a prediction, though. The odds on this one have uh, Dia Casey at minus 165 and Nasrat at plus 145. So just a moderate favor for Dia Casey. That seems like very accurate of a line. Uh, going along the rest of the car, we have Marchin Tibura taking on Stefan Struve. Marchin Tibura lost his last fight to Derek Lewis. I believe he got knocked out in the third round, or I think so, yeah. Marchin Tibura opened minus 175. Stefan Struve plus 135. Uh, uh, Marchin Tibura is currently minus 240. Stefan Struve plus 200. So a lot of money coming in on uh, Marchin Tibura. Uh, pretty justly, in my opinion, uh, Tabura is the much better fighter. Struve looked absolutely awful in his last fight. Just had pretty much no technique. Didn't even look like he knew what he was doing in there. 
Uh, Tabura looked pretty competitive in his last fight, and he ended up, you know, losing in the third round. But, uh, you know, he still had heavy hands, was still, you know, giving Derek Lewis a lot of trouble in that fight. So, Tabura seems like the pretty clear pick in this one. It should be, you know, not, not too exciting of a striking match. Uh, co-main event, we have Glover Teixeira taking on Corey Anderson. Glover Teixeira opened at minus 300 uh, to Corey Anderson, plus 200. And Glover Teixeira is now minus 160, Corey Anderson, plus 140. So Glover being minus 300 is ridiculous. You know, Corey Anderson is a good fighter, good wrestler, has uh, decent cardio, not the best fight IQ, but, you know, neither does Glover. Uh, it should, it'll be interesting. I don't know. I feel like this fight just won't go the distance. Uh, don't really have much of a prediction, but, uh, I don't think I would have bet on either one of their money lines. I think I would probably just go with a prop, either the under or maybe, you know, fight does not, does not start round three, something like that. And in the main event, we have Mauricio Shogun Hua, the legend, the pride legend, uh, taking on Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith winning his last fight by knockout against Rashad Evans just a few weeks ago. Uh, just getting right back in there on a short notice fight. Uh, you know, Shogun who was supposed to fight Volkan Ozdemir. Volkan Ozdemir was moved to fight Alexander Gustafsson at UFC 227, and Anthony Smith is filling in for Volkan. And um, honestly, it's a much more competitive matchup. I think uh, Anthony Smith, you know, did win like I said by knockout in his last fight. Uh, has looked pretty decent in the UFC. He's uh, five and two, losing to Cesar Freira and uh, Thiago Santos. Um, but, uh, the dude, the dude hits hard and he gets hit hard. Uh, he's a, a, a brawler, you know, much like Shogun. Uh, he gets hit a lot, doesn't have the best chin and is, you know, pretty wild. So, uh, don't think this fight is going to last very long. I honestly like, uh, Shogun who has chances in this one, especially at two to one odds. Uh, I don't think Anthony Smith is nearly proven enough and, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, calculated enough to, you know, beat uh, Shogun Hua by decision. I think he's going to do what he always does, and that's he's going to throw bombs. And, uh, you know, Shogun will be more than willing to trade. Dude's been doing this shit his whole life and is, you know, hasn't really adapted his style too much for, uh, you know, as he got older. Uh, but he's currently riding a th three-fight win streak, and there isn't, you know, rumors of Shogun possibly fighting Daniel Cormier uh, for the light heavyweight title. Very, very loose rumors, loose speculation in this one. But, um, you know, obviously it could happen. Shogun only fighting once in 2015, 16, 17, and now his first fight of 2018. So somehow the dude's still winning. Somehow he's still looking good. I hope he can get it done in this one. It is not an easy fight for him. And, you know, like I said, Smith's going to throw hard. So, you know, as long as Shogun keeps his defense up and, you know, respects his opponent and, uh, you know, tries to counterpunch, I think that they're... Uh, his chances are good in this one. Just don't think this fight will last long. Uh, you know, I think that the I haven't looked at the props too in depth in this one, but uh, let's see. Like you know, like they don't have the fight won't start round three. Uh, you know, props out yet, unfortunately. So we'll see those as they get closer. And I'm going to have to take a break from the podcast to go to Muay Thai right now. And when I come back, I'm going to be going over some of the PFL card tonight. Um, 
uh, you know, it'll actually be going, I probably won't even talk about the PFL card, you know, it, it'll be going on as I get back uh, from, you know, the gym, and it, it'll be happening as I'm recording it, so maybe I'll watch in the background, but I'll be going over uh, UFC-related uh, stories just from the week, so stay tuned, and I will be back. All right, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being, tuning in the podcast, we are back with the last part of this episode, which is going to be going over general UFC news from the past week. Uh, I haven't really ha- had the chance to do these in the most recent episodes. Excuse that phone notification. Um, so um, I haven't been able to do these in recent episodes therefore i'm gonna you know just catch up on the news now actually for the most part there hasn't been too much news going on but uh this week i think there's a good amount um so i think it's uh it's worth going over had a lot of fight cancellations unfortunately couple fight announcements you know and um the big story i want to talk about is uh, this this rumor coming about today, Thursday, the 19th of July, is that uh, Colby Covington was offered a fight with Tyron Woodley in September. Um, you know, Colby fought at the end of um, June. I believe it was June 25th. Let me double check that. UFC 225. No, it wasn't the 25th. It was, it was June 9th. So he fought June 9th, and they want him to fight three months later, and he must have some injuries or something like that, and he, ch- he turned down the fight and said that he would be ready in November. Ta- uh, Colby Covington, let me remind you, is the interim champion. So now the UFC is in rumors of stripping Colby of that interim title that, that they gave him uh, 40 days ago, and instead having Darren Till fight Tyron Woodley for the welterweight belt. Uh, might I remind you, Darren Till, the guy who 88% of people lost his last fight, the guy who missed weight by four and a half pounds, um, that guy. So, um, you know, I, it's just totally, totally unjustified that they're even discussing this. It's disrespectful to Colby Covington. You know, he just had a hard-fought fight, five-round war. What was the point of even making the interim title if you weren't going to book the the interim champion versus the champion you know it they're so impatient and so desperate of a main event uh that they that they're willing to just throw this belt out the window and throw their contender out the window and give it to somebody totally undeserving you know it's not surprising from the ufc it's just despicable behavior that is you know we're just used to at this point the brock lesnar has a non-title fight. It was huge. It sold. It still sold 750,000 buys, and it wasn't even a, a title fight. He wins. He pops for steroids, and he's coming back, and he's getting rewarded with a title shot. Brock Lesnar draws against anybody in the sport. He could fight, you know, your grandma, your your trash man, your car salesman, and he would still sell a million pay-per-view buys. But instead, the UFC is so greedy, and they're so out for that big pay-per-view that they're giving the steroid cheater you know the guy who got caught cheating uh a title shot after he doesn't have an official win since what 2011 it's just like it's such a joke man it's it's such a joke uh they're just they're just getting they're they're making their own belts just worthless you know it's 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 amazing they don't even realize they're shooting themselves in the foot by the by doing this but that but they totally are they're they're throwing out the 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 contenders like if the thing that keeps people going is they want to be the best. 
to be the best, you have you're the champion. You have the belt. But if there's no lineage to get to the belt, there's no path to get to the belt. It's just completely random. Then people aren't aren't gonna want to pursue it. You know, box title titles and boxing have a lot more legitimacy behind it because there are mandatory challengers. The W the you know. Uh, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua are talking about a super fight, talking about a super fight, discussing it, and then the WA comes in and says, fuck your super fight, here's your mandatory contender. It doesn't matter that Anthony Joshua would have made five times more money fighting Deontay Wilder. The WBA came in and told him, you're fighting this Povetkin guy, and you're you're not going to you know sell many pay-per-view buys. You'll still sell out the, your stadium in your hometown, but they totally, they totally like can can run the show in boxing and the ufc needs to desperately desperately develop some sort of system where there's mandatory contenders there's there's rankings that mean something and you know if they're creating interim belts then they should probably mean something instead of just being totally uh worthless so that was the main story i wanted to talk about uh there's also you know a little more things i'll sprinkle in but you know that was just what i had on my mind um other news anderson silva accepted his one year um suspension so this is interesting uh for a couple reasons anderson silva tested positive before and was suspended for a year before and tested positive again and he only got one year the second time anderson silva obviously one of the greatest of all times one of the uh still probably one of the biggest pay-per-view draws if they chose to put him on a pay-per-view and so it, it goes to show that there is a, there can be a little leeway and a little manipulation of USADA if USADA or the UFC so chooses. You know, this is an instance where a mega superstar, former champion, tested positive for steroids once, not once, but twice, and they're somehow waiving the two-year mandatory minimum. You know, some people test positive for steroids once and get two years, like Chad Mendez. Uh, Anderson Silva, this is his second time, and he's still getting one year. It's it's clear manipulation of the system. Um, and, uh, you know, wh- whatever. What, t- so be it. Um, you know, it, it, it goes to, you know, it goes to show that USADA isn't perfect. USADA isn't this by-the-book agency that's going to do everything their way. They can still be manipulated by the UFC if the UFC wants to. So, um, we have uh, Mark Hunt versus Alexei Olenek announced for the main event in UFC Russia. The first time the UFC goes to Moscow, you know, um, not really, not really too exciting. You know, they had Alexander Volkov, who, who is a much better fighter than Olenek, and obviously more uh, more popular too. Um, so it's very interesting decision that that's the fight that they headline with. I mean, Olenek is. He's no good. What the hell? Did, I mean, he's just going to... He's striking is god-awful. He's going to get blasted into another dimension by Mark Hunt. And I don't think Russians probably like Mark Hunt that much. Interesting, interesting choice. It's not confirmed by the UFC, but there was a picture on Vitor Belfort's Instagram. And in the background, you can see this fight written on the uh, whiteboard. Um, we also have Volkan Ozdemir out of his fight with Alexander Gustafsson at UFC 227. You know, they moved this fight all around. He was actually supposed to fight Shogun this weekend in Germany. They moved him to this Los Angeles card uh, for the pay-per-view. And a week later, he is injured, and now they need a replacement. Um, I mean, who's going to who's gonna want to jump in to replace um, the number two ranked light heavyweight and fight the number one ranked? Like, oh my gosh. 
who's going to uh, want to jump in for the number two ranked heavyweight to fight the number one ranked light heavyweight. Uh, it's going to be hard to. Khalil Roundtree threw his name in the hat, but man, it's going to be hard to, for them to accept that fight. I mean, it is a gigantic step down in competition. You're going from the guy who just fought from the title, Volkan Ozdemir, to going for a guy who's, you know, only really beat uh, lower level competition in the UFC. And he's, uh, I'm pretty sure he's unranked. So, um, the, interesting and very interesting to see if uh, yeah, what they'll what they'll do. I mean, honestly, I think that did uh, uh, Gustafson won't end up fighting anybody, and maybe this will push them to making uh, Daniel Cormier versus um, Alexander Gustafson. It's clear that Daniel Cormier wants money, right? That's why he wants to fight Brock Lesnar because you want a lot of money. Well, how about you offer him a lot of money to fight Alexander Gustafson, which is an extremely legitimate matchup. It's and it's an extremely good fight that people want to see. It's a rematch that was a close fight. It was a title fight that we already saw. It went the distance. It was a it was a good matchup that both fighters had their back and forth in it. Uh, Daniel Cormier obviously won the decision, but um, you know it's it's it was multiple. It was in 2015, I think, in October of 2015. So we can definitely have that fight rescheduled, and the fans would love it. Um, let's see what other we had. Uh, Bellator announced a welterweight Grand Prix with Paul Daly, Michael Benham Page, Neiman Gracie. Now, I'm naming these off the top of my mind, so give me a second. Um, Rory McDonald, uh, Diego Lima. Uh, let's let me see who else. Um, Grand Prix. No, I don't have any other names on me right now, but. Um, that should be good, you know. Uh, it's it, PFL is is doing some sort of tournament right now, and it's working really well. They're producing good quality fights and stuff like that. So uh, you know, it's interesting to, and it's a good idea. They're doing a Grand Prix, which is, you know, pretty similar to their heavyweight tournament. They're also doing it, doing right now in Bellator. A lot of talk about Chris Cyborg and Amanda Nunes when that fight is going to be go, uh, having or going down. Uh, Amanda Nunez uh, isn't available for September, which is when Chris Cyborg wants to fight. Amanda Nunez says she needs to wait till December. So Chris Cyborg is trying to fill in uh, a fight in the meantime, and she's she probably will. She's saying she wants to fight Cindy Dandoyas, which is like uh, it would just be a total slaughter in the octagon. It's a totally a totally uh, unworthy matchup, and Chris would just totally slaughter her and it's it's ridiculous that she would even uh, insinuate that that would be a matchup you know that would be like uh it's uh, it's close to saying daniel cormier saying he wants to fight uh shogun uh, i mean it's just it's just, it's terrible uh could be could be he's like i want to defend the belt against edson barbosa uh like like dude it just it's a it's despicable that she would even mention that. I hope it was her manager who mentioned it because it's just it's terrible. Like you just beat you beat uh, Holly Holm in your last fight, right? No, no, did she, she? Yeah, yeah, Holly Holm in her last fight, and she wants to step down to this girl Cindy Dandois, who's you know like a subpar record in the UFC. It's just not how a champion should even conduct themselves. But um. Who knows? I mean, Chris Cyborg is so so not irrelevant, but it's just like she doesn't have any contenders. We already we already saw her fight Holly Holm. That was it was a close fight. Honestly, you can just book that rematch, Who, uh, or, or obviously the Amanda Nunes fight, um, which she should. Which honestly, if I was Chris Cyborg, I would just sit pretty and uh, well, not pretty because she's 
you know, uh, she looks like a man. Um, but, you know, sit tight and wait for that fight to come around in December and get a big paycheck because that fight would actually probably sell pretty well. So I believe that is going to be all for this episode. Um, not too much uh, Not too much else. Like I said, uh, a couple injuries, you know, Alex Grasso pulled out of her fight. Uh couple new fights announced. Aljamain Sterling versus Cody Stammen, UFC 228. Douglas Lima versus Andre Korshov. That's one of the, uh, that's one of the Bellator fights. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot, a lot going on. Um, M1 Global signed, uh, a deal with the UFC, guarantee, uh, the UFC guaranteeing, uh, their champions a spot in the UFC. The Karate Combat Championship signed a deal with UFC Fight Pass. Um, Chan Sung Jung is rumored to fight Frankie Edgar at UFC 229. Uh, you know, I'm just going all over the place in different stories I'm seeing here. But, um, yeah, the, the main story I wanted to talk about was uh, Colby Covington issue with this uh, possibility of Darren Till getting a title shot. Uh, you, you heard my opinion on that. And uh, that I think that that's going to be all for this podcast. We covered uh, the UFC in uh, Boise, Idaho that happened last weekend. Just a quick recap of that. We went over this uh, week's fight card happening in UFC or happening in Hamburg, Germany. Went over all the odds on that. Uh, the uh, the picks we have on that card are the most confident picks are the, the, the people I'm betting on are Shogun Hua Moneyline. Um, David Zawada money line and Damian Stasiak money line. So hope all three of those gentlemen win. And uh, like I said, that's going to be all for this episode. I hope you all enjoyed episode 26. And I will see you before episode 27, which is going to be before UFC Calgary, headlined by Dustin Poirier versus Eddie Alvarez. So, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning in the podcast, I thank you for listening. And I will see you all next week. Peace.